You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. Everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lewin Markell, Taylor Stanfield, and I'm Travis Beasley. So, Lewin, I got a question for you. Uh huh. Do you know what in the Dungeons and Dragons world originated from actual Hindu mythology? I. Hmm. That's actually a good question because a lot of like D and D lore does come from mythology, especially early on. Yeah, I I feel like it's a okay. I feel like it's a trick question because I think there's more than one thing. I mean, there probably is. <laughs> that that's Travis speak for he didn't look more into it before he asked you this question. No, I literally just know the one thing that I researched that okay. came from Hindu mythology. Well, um, I don't know. Spoiler alert! It's probably the topic for this week. You are correct. Do you also know what comes from Hindu mythology and has the ability to fly, change into whatever humanoid form it wants to, and eat people? No. I mean, anyone can eat people if they try hard enough. It's the shape-shifting and the flight that's a little more difficult to achieve. Garuda? I don't know. I don't know. It's Rakshasas! Oh! See, if you would have, like, thrown in, like, essentially immortal and stuff like that, I could probably could have gotten it, but that would have been easy. That would have been too easy. I couldn't make it easy. So, surprise, our topic this week is the Rakshasa. Interesting. Okay. I have an image in my head already. That image might or might not be twisted later. I don't know. They have differed slightly between, like, how they look from, like, first to third, and then from 3.5 to fifth, they kind of stay the same on those two. But there's like a... sections, but there's a slight difference. Okay. So originally, like I said, they did come from Hindu mythology, and this was later incorporated into Buddhism, apparently. Sweet. Um, just to avoid the whole religious aspect, I am not going to go terribly far into that creation of right. the Hindu and Buddhism. You wouldn't want to incorrectly interpret something that's still correct i i it's not something that i worship it's nothing that i really know about i don't want to offend or get information wrong right i did pull some of it just because that does kind of go with how they were created and dnd as well right um but it said that they were created by the breath of brahma 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 name yeah that guy Uh, he is the creator god and the creative aspect of Vishnu. Those are um, actual Hindu gods, right? Yes. Yes. They're okay. part of a triumvirate thing. Okay. Okay. No, yeah. I, uh, I, okay. Vishnu, Brahma, and Shiva. Yeah, it's, it's clicking. Yeah, I, like I said, didn't look terribly far into it, kind of cherry-picked a little bit just to get the... Just the across. Right, just making origin. sure I'm on the same page because sometimes right. I'm like three pages back. I guess he was sleeping, and it was after a longer battle. Again, didn't grab too much of that. 
But when they were created, they were immediately bloodthirsty. Oh. And started to attack Brahma. So he shouted out Rakshama, which in the Sanskrit means protect me. Huh. Hence how they came up with the name Rakshasa. Uh, Vishnu wound up coming to his aid and banished the creatures to Earth. Great. Yeah, because, you know, this happened up there with them, not down here with down us. Here with us. Um, their depiction, like the way they look and everything in Hindu, is they're generally depicted as ugly, fierce-looking, enormous creatures. Oh. Hmm. Kind of like ape-like, in a sense. That's interesting. That is interesting, because when I think of Rakshasa, for some reason the first image that comes to my head is a tiger. There's a reason for that. Oh. I have that later on in the notes. Nice. Yeah. No, and uh, most of my background knowledge, for one, about Rakshasa, because I've seen a depiction of them before, and also just the little cherry-picked bits of Hinduism that I know about is from Shin Megami Tensei. Mm-hmm. That also provokes a very different image in my head. So yeah. we'll see if they maybe morph into something more like what I'm familiar with later um, on. They slowly start to morph into like what more the common vision of what they are. Like mm-hmm. the more modern... Probably 5e interpretation. Right. This is still just what they're depicted as in Hindu. Right. They generally have two fangs that protrude from the top of their mouth. That's pretty cool. So it's like an ape-ish creature with, like, fangs that come out of the top. So, like, an ape with carnivorous uh, features. Yes. uh, They have the sharp claws. Well, sharp claw-like fingernails. They're not actually claws. They're claw-like fingernails, but... The fingernails curve backwards. So, like, their hands are reversed? Well, or... in in this depiction, their hands are not reversed, just their claws are kind of, like, not necessarily backwards, but they more form upwards. Okay. Instead of, like, how our fingernails kind of grow out. And start curving down. Yeah, theirs kind of go up and curve oh, upwards. They're like Bobby okay. Rusa tasks. They are said to be able to fly, vanish, and have Maya, which is a magical power of illusion. It allows them to transform into any creature. Huh. Okay. So, like many tales and legends, there is a most powerful king-esque Rakshasa. And they are known as Ravana. Okay. He was the king of the city or region of Lanka, and he had ten heads. Oh, that's a lot of heads. It is. Okay, this is this is connecting a lot of dots for me that I'd seen isolated, because a lot of people like to just use, like, Hinduism for the aesthetic, or you see yeah. names sprinkled around, but you don't really hear a lot about the actual origin. legend. Yeah, like the origin. So this is, like, connecting a lot of dots for me. So I'm just like, oh, Well, then I'm glad I decided is. to go into this a little bit then. Yeah, that's what that is. Um, there's a ritual known as a top- tapas. Apologies to anyone if I mispronounce these things. They're... Strange words to me. Yeah, you're not familiar with the phonetic layout. Exactly. But a tapas is a ritual that uh, involves solitude, meditation, and cleansing to reach liberation. That's pretty cool. As part of the ritual, he would sacrifice one head every thousand years. Interesting. Huh. Doing so, and most people will do this tapas to gain great favor from the gods. And obviously this was his end goal, was to gain a favor from 
Vishnu. After 10,000 years, he was about to cut off his final head when Brahma appeared and agreed at this point to grant him a wish because he's done this ritual for 10,000 years, sacrificed one of his heads every... 10,000. Or every every thousand years. years. So he's down nine heads. And he was... It sounds like fully prepared to sacrifice his last head. He was, because he really wanted this wish. So what would this person wish for? Naturally, he wished that no god or demonic being could hurt him. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Recontextualizing more things for me. Yeah, he, he, got, he got deep in there. So he all this just because he didn't want to, not even didn't want to die, just didn't want to be murdered. Correct. Now, whenever he made this request to Brahma, Brahma straight up asked him, like, okay, what about the men and women? Ravana just kind of scoffed and basically was just like, I don't need protection from them. I'm greater than them. Ooh. Guess what ends up being his downfall? Arrogance, sounds like, but hubris. Specifically that. Hubris. Hubris. So with this newfound power, he started many wars here on Earth. He humiliated any of the gods that he could. He would kill many of the great warriors. I mean, he did what... He he had fun. He did what anyone would do with the ability to not die from a god or demonic being. I I wouldn't say anybody. I don't think I would do that if I could not die. I would probably just, like, chill out in a library for a long time. I mean, okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I I also, you know, not a very strong person. So So eventually Vishnu kind of started to have enough of this and taking the loophole that he left with the men and women started sending avatars of himself or herself. I actually don't know if Vishnu is man or woman. Yes. Yes. Not again. I'm not an expert on this topic. From what I understand of. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) So started sending avatars down. Because the avatars were human, human, and were therefore able to kill Would this be able Ravana. To kill Ravana. Oh man! Um, so after uh, Ravana kidnapped one of the avatars named Rama, kidnapped his wife Sita. Rama killed him. Hell yeah! Basically, nice. so that okay. Yeah, basically went on a uh, blood hunt. I mean, he was sent to kill him anyway, but after that... It was personal. It was was personal, personal. and he took care of it. Rama was the one that wound up being the downfall of Ravana. That's pretty cool, like, just in and of itself, like, a really good story. All right, podcast is over, guys. We had a good story. Yay, we did it. (laughs) No, No. more. All right, fine. So, this is where we get into, like, the first appearances in D&D. They first appeared and were talked about in the official newsletter of TSR Games. It was known as the Strategic View, and it was issue number five. So, it was early on in this newsletter. What year was that published? 1975. Oh, my gosh. Wow. These guys are older than Star Wars. Huh. They are. I didn't think of that. I actually think about that way too much. When I hear anything referred to as having happened in the 70s, I think of it as like if it was before 77, and then I'm like, oh, this is older than Star Wars, or this is as old as Star Wars. Or this is a year younger than Star Wars. It's just a calendar based around Star Wars. Pre-Star Wars and post-Star Wars. PSW and, (laughs) oh, dang, PSW. It doesn't work. PSW. Well, what about BSW and then PSW? Yes. Before Star Wars and post-Star Wars. And 
like ASW anti Star Wars, whatever. <laughs> oh, that sounds like you don't like Star Wars. I was gonna say that sounds like more you're trying to wage a wage a war against Star Wars and anti Star Wars. That sounds more that that does sound better. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, in this newsletter, it was written that they were fond of a diet of human meat and masters of illusion. So, they kind of took... A violent uh, look at it. Yeah. They took the Hindu mythology, made it a little more intense and monstrous. Yeah. They were said to be able to employ ESP, and when they pick a target that they're going to go after and eat... They generally will transform into a shape that the target would know to be familiar. So, Taylor, let's say in your case, if a Rakshasa decided to target you, they would pick me or your mom or your dad to imitate. That's a that's upsetting. Yeah. All of that is actually very upsetting. And then they would wait to get their trust, and when they were off guard, that's when they would attack. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's... I mean that's that, a smart that's idea. A, that's one way to do it. Like that that'll uh, that would catch catch me off guard. Same. They are capable of using both magic user spells up to third level and cleric spells of first level. I didn't look much into what it means by both magic user spells, but I do know that first edition it was all pretty limited in like the classes and right. stuff. So. I'm assuming that that's kind of pretty good to be able to use both magic users and cleric level spells. Yeah, probably. I Uh, would imagine that that's just basically the first edition version of being able to use arcane and divine magic. Probably. Pretty much. Here's the kicker, though. They are not affected by spells lower than 8th level, and they cannot be harmed by non-magical weapons. Oh my god. And if you have a magical weapon, it cannot be any lower than... A plus three magical weapon, otherwise it only does half damage. Also, when you say ESP, <clears throat> do you mean psionics? Yes. Okay. I mean exactly psionics. They are kind of like an earlier version of a psionic. They have these psionic abilities. Okay, so like, quick sidebar, basically psionics ancestor in D&D is ESP. Yeah, okay. kind of. But- I mean, I can't say that like officially because I didn't... Research that, but that's kind of what I gathered from reading just about that, this. That would be yeah. an interesting topic to look up one day. Sidebar over. Sidebar over. There is a way to kill them. Okay. They have I'm, to be I'm, hit. I'm, I want to know that. Yeah. They, you have to hit them with a crossbow bolt that was blessed by a cleric. That will kill a Rakshasa. Strange, I know. That actually sounds like a really interesting contrast to the actual myth, because... Not to say that they wouldn't have been naturally formidable as like a as a as a species, like as a people. Right. But the fact that Ravana specifically was after the ability to not be harmed by a holy or demonic entity. But it seems like it's kind of the opposite in D and D where a lot of conventional or even like lower level magical things don't affect them, but holy power does. Right. It's a weird choice. 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 Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like, strange. I mean, no offense, because obviously it worked and it was converted at some point, but, like, were I a first edition writer for how Rakshasa operated in combat, I would do it completely the opposite. I would have had them completely immune to all these magical stuff, but they could only be harmed by by mundane effects. Yeah, the fact that if you're hunting a Rakshasa, you have to go get 
a quiver of bolts, basically, blessed by a cleric. Right. And hope that you can find it, first of all, because... Rakshasa. Rakshasa, and they're usually not what they appear to be. Yeah. Then you have to fight it, hope that it doesn't kill you, and shoot it with these bolts until it dies. It, I, I, it's difficult, and I can see why, like, in a combat sense that it's laid out that way. It just feels like a inter- interference from the gods kind of thing that would be, like, anti-Rakshasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, jumping one year ahead, they were referred again in a book called Gods, Demigods, and Heroes. This is in 1976, and they are actually referred as Demons of India in this book. So they didn't really go far off of changing it. They're just like, yep, nope, these are demons of India. It's less of uh, creatures, because there are some creatures that you can see, or particular figures that you can see that definitely had influences from real-life legends and stories and mythologies, such as Strahd, for example. Yes. But this one, they're just like, nah, these are just straight up. (laughs) Yeah, these are demons of India. These, in this book, they suddenly have gotten a little more powerful. Oh, (laughs) even more. Not good? Yeah. They were quite powerful before, I feel like. Yeah, so they constantly fought gods and humans. Oh. The leaders of these Rakshasa groups were so powerful that the gods were forced to call a truce at times and basically just give them pretty much whatever concession they wanted. Oh, so the gods were basically held hostage by them. Kind of. They can all shapeshift, obviously. They can fight invisible, except for when fighting gods. So if you're not a god and you're fighting a Rakshasa, good luck, because they're invisible now. That's not good. They regenerate, as trolls do. I tried to look it up. It's very hard to find trolls from, like, the first edition, but I'm going to take a wild guess that it's kind of the same now. Every round, they would regenerate a certain amount of health. At the beginning of the round. So they regenerate. They always crave human flesh, but they have a weakness. Okay. They cannot refuse a gambling bet. Huh. Okay. That's, that's really... I, I like that twist. I, I, I do love a monster with a gambling addiction. Oh, and they have 200 HP. Oh, that feels like a lot. <laughs> How to tell if your dungeon master hates you. They had a fighter ability of 15th level and psionic ability. Great. Of six, of like a class level six of psionic abilities. Did it did it specify? Because there were different, like... I would have to look up the actual psionics. Okay. And I'll be honest, dealing with the crap that we were dealing with at work this week, in between me trying to research, I just didn't go into the psionic yeah. research of it. Because there were essentially, I don't think they were referred to this way, but there were different like schools of psionics for things such as telekinesis and yeah psycho well actually it was psychokinesis and telepathy and things like that but not so. to mention you already had like a ton of stuff to research just for the rakshasa in general yeah i thought it was going to be pretty difficult but turns out whenever you get like the correct idea of how to research things it gets a lot easier yeah do these uh do these second second wave rakshasa <laughs> also have um Arcane abilities? Uh, Yes, they all still have the same magical abilities. So they're physically powerful, they have magical abilities, and they have psionics. So they didn't... Correct. And they are invisible a lot of the time. Yep. Fuck you. Whenever they're not shape-shifting. Yeah, Yeah, whenever they're not shape-shifting. So it sounds like this recurrence was, like, less rework. They didn't even get nerfed, they just got boosted. 
Yeah, they didn't get hit with the nerf hammer. They got smacked with a buff, and everyone was like, yep, this is good. Stamp of approval, done. Very balanced. Super balanced. <laughs> Super balanced. No mistakes made. So, um, there's two other variants okay. that have come up around this time. The Rakshasa Knight and Rakshasa Lord. Okay. Uh, both of them were created by Ravana, because Ravana has been adapted into D&D at this point. Cool. He's basically the god of Rakshasas. He's the super Rakshasa. Yep. Uh, and their goal is to live and support all of the Rakshasas on the material plane. Because after he was defeated, Ravana went to... I don't remember what plane they said, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I apparently decided not to write that down. But he basically like went to the plane that he decided to just reside on. Spoiler alert, he's also in Ravenloft. Everyone's in Ravenloft. Everyone's Probably. In I actually didn't find any evidence of him in Ravenloft. Dang. I mean, he might still be, but I didn't find any evidence of it. But basically, while, he's, cool while he decides to stay away from the material plane, now that he realizes humans can beat him because he's stupid and made a bad deal. And just purely out of arrogance. Yeah. He creates these knights and lords to basically be his warriors and his priests and... His proxy on that plane, basically. Right. Uh, the knights were basically vanguards of the Rakshasa armies, and the lords are considered, like, the main leaders of the Rakshasa communities. Which, sidebar, picture that, a community of these things... What is the D and D equivalent of a nuke? <laughs> um, like twenty thousand mages all casting fireball in the same area. Okay, that one. I would like that one, please. Okay, um, that'll be but, about five million platinum. But you got to make sure it's in a ninth level spell slot. Yes. Yes, at least. So I have some of the stats written down for the knights and the lords because it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Remembering at this point that a negative AC is better. Yes, right. Because this is that Thaco system. Uh, their AC is negative six, which probably equivalents to about a 20 now, roughly. Okay, so decent. Decent. They have an 18-foot movement. I'm assuming movement was calculated differently. Again, I have not looked into the rules directly for these old editions. <laughs> we might need to. Maybe. They have five attacks. That is a lot for now. That's a lot of attacks. Yeah. I don't even want to know what it was like for Ben. They generally would do four claws and one bite. So, like, does each hand get one uh, or two attacks? Then? Yeah, it's basically slash, 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 slash and then a bite. bite. Yeah, it's strange. What alignment do you think these things are? Chaotic. My gut says chaotic neutral just because they seem out for themselves. Like, they're mostly just self-interested, but... Because of everything you've told me, I'm going to go chaotic evil. My my gut says that their alignment has changed, that they may have started with a different alignment. I think at various points they have been neutral evil and chaotic evil. Well, you are both wrong. Are they chaotic neutral? They are lawful evil. Hmm. They, they have a lawful evil well, alignment. That's, they're, they're <clears throat> you know, I'll forgive it because there's a lot of characters and, and other like species and Dungeons and Dragons that I people have said are lawful that I don't think should be lawful. So we're just going to agree to disagree on this I, one. Yeah, I refuse to accept it. They are they. Everything I have learned about them so far does not point to lawful. It points to entirely self interested and willing to twist 
their the rules to their yeah. own needs. I mean, you're not wrong. I was very confused by the lawful evil alignment too, but hey, you know, whatever. Is it because they're not like just murder hobos? What is it? I don't know. Yeah, they're like these. These but they kind of are murder hobos, though. They're well, but they're, the thing the catch is they're a society of murder hobos, and if you have a society, then that means you have to be lawful automatically, right? Yes. Because I'm good there's at writing. Some sort of law there, I guess. Which the law is: ball till you fall. No rules, just right. Eat people. But that still well, means awful. Well, I think we have the name of this episode now. <laughs> Oop, I wasn't even reaching for that. It, it was. It was good. Yeah. No, I liked it. And this kind of stays the same throughout a lot of the editions. Is they cannot be affected by spells lower than eighth level. Mm-hmm. So, unless I say otherwise, just bear that in mind that that's basically it. They're just unaffected by, I say low-level spells, but yeah, eighth or lower. And that's not just damaging mm. spells either. That's like that's enchantment magic. That's Would they hypothetically, let's say you cast like a low-level abjuration spell, would they just ignore that? Probably. Or they'd be able to see that it was cast and just not be affected by it at all, not be distracted. Yeah, then do something different. Oh, yeah. wow. What That's if you terrible. attempted a low-level heal spell on them? Well, you no, know, you can resist healing spells. Well, yeah, but would they want, like, would they have the option to uh, take they, the heal? They always have the option to take it. Okay. That's true. They, they just have a natural resistance. They just have a natural resistance to just not being affected by any of them. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the knights cannot cast cleric or magic spells No, arcane, no divine. Pretty much. Um, they take half damage from weapons that are lower than a plus four, and anything that is lower than a plus two just doesn't hit them at all. So they're the they're the physical, right? They're they, the physical class of special. Right? They are the literal buff guys, sword and board, <laughs> or claw and board, I guess. Which just the whole thing about quick sidebar. Any other portrayals I've seen of Rakshasa in other things always portray them as having weapons. Like, they have swords. So this this departure to them having this more bestial manner of, of attack is interesting to me. Yeah, early on, they actually prefer to not use weapons. They prefer their claws, their, their teeth, teeth, and their magic abilities. Okay. They actually despise paladins. Huh. Because, I guess, Rama was... A paladin? I mean, who doesn't that would make, despise what? paladins? <laughs> that would make sense as an avatar of a god. Like, if you were going to tra- like translate that to D&D. It would be a cleric or a paladin. Yeah. Yeah. And they can actually detect paladins on sight. Oh. Like, you can have a lineup of, like, 20 people and one is a paladin. They'd be able to look and be like, that's the paladin. It's my paladin. Get that motherfucker. Jesus Christ. I was trying to make, I was trying to combine Gadar and Paladin and it didn't work. I thought you were trying to combine Radar and Paladin. No. No, she went with the Gadar thing. Of course she did. Well, I mean, that's a, it's about identifying a type of person in a group of people, so. Okay, that's fair. Radar is like more, more, for more things. So against a Paladin, they have a plus two to damage and a plus one to attack. Oh, they're like against a paladin. They're like gnomes and goblins. Yeah, yeah. except Actually. with classes. So they have a preferred class. They have a preferred class. Like I said, the lords are more of like the leaders of the communities. So 
they're more rare to find like by themselves or to run into. Mm-hmm. But if you do, be warned because they have all the same resistances, except they have fifth level cleric and fifth level magic spells. Oh damn! So, so they're the they're the mage sort of. They're the mage and like buff, and then blow you the fuck up. Because they also still have the psionic abilities and the ESP. Oh, gosh. And the shape-shifting. I forgot about the psionics. <laughs> I forgot how stupid powerful Rakshasa are. Yep. So at what point are Rakshasa adapted to be played as a player class? Because I want to know about that. Um, If I remember correctly, and this might be a little bit later, I uh, think in 3.5 edition they actually have... A section in the monster manual that says Rakshasa's as a player. That was a joke. No, they actually have sections for this to be a thing. Oh, that's fantastic. I was joking. That's amazing, actually. Like, I I figured out that you were joking right around the same time I figured out that he was serious. That would be, like, the one, like, oh, this, this race would be so OP to play as, but you have to work around the fact... Like, the social ramifications of the fact that your character is just a, a cannibal. Well, not a cannibal, because they're not human, but... A just carnivorous would, demon. Yes, would yeah, just want to eat everyone. technically demons. Oh, they're, no, what a disaster. Who would want to play a demon character? They're demons that can literally transform into any humanoid they desire. You just have to roll a wisdom saving throw like 20 times a day to resist eating your compatriots. (laughs) But other than that, it's fine. Other than that, it's fine. But we're going to go into the uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Okay. Sounds good. So in this edition, they change a little bit as far as like how they get their roles in their society, basically. When they are born, they are actually born into a particular role. Okay. And they can never move up in that life. So like a caste system. Literally what I was going to say, yeah. Yep. There are between one to three females to one male. Oh, I see where that's going. Uh-huh. Yep. Do you know what females are born to be? Yep. I think I do. Raiders. Basically, they're born to be consorts. And they are only ever honored by their faithfulness and by the fighting ability that their children have. So basically, ew. So, so basically, ew. They're basically slaves at this point. Like, yeah, they function as baby factories and don't get much of anything else. And if your best bet as a Rakshasa female is to be an awesome mom who has a great warrior son. Pretty much. That is the greatest honor you will ever receive. You're faithful to your one husband. Who has multiple wives. Who has multiple wives, and that your children are great fighters, or if you have a daughter, you raise that daughter up to be a consort. Ugh. Mm. That's a... Yeah. Yep. Bad taste in my mouth. Yep. So in second edition, this is when they kind of start to talk about them as spirits, and it's only kind of vaguely. As spirits, they're virtually immortal. So you can't really kill a Rakshasa unless it takes a humanoid form. Okay. They make a new generation every century. And this is basically to just replace the ones that do end up dying in battle. Okay. And I was going to say, and what's a Rakshasa lifespan look like? Um, I'm special. Unless they get killed virtually forever. Yeah, they're like um they're like abolets in that way probably. Yeah, yeah. they don't they don't die. 
unless something outside hurts them. Right. They, they won't just age. They won't age and die. Do you know what their, like, maturity stats look like? Like... I could not find anything that said about, like, what their maturity, like, ages were. That's At least not crazy. in second edition. I do have that a little bit later. Mm, I have a crazy conjecture, though. They're probably lower for the females than the males. I mean, you're probably, probably right. right. Just gonna put that out there. It's an unfortunate thing, but you're probably right. Ooh, here's a good thing, though. If you kill a Rakshasa, you can take its essence and make a potion of delusion. Ooh. Ooh. What does that do? Glad you asked. This is a potion that basically when you drink it, it makes you believe that you have drank another potion. So if you drink this and someone says, hey, this is a potion of fly, you will believe that you are under the effects of a potion of fly. You won't be. But you will believe it. And this effect lasts for as long as whatever the potion is mimicking. So basically, if you drink a potion of flight, typically lasts an hour, uh, have an hour of flight. Yep. So you can just walk off a cliff and like, I'm flying, except you're not because you're dead. So you you feed this to somebody else. Basically, yeah. To trick them into Yeah, you don't want to drink it yourself unless you just want to go on a weird trip, I guess. A weird trip? Yeah. Okay. Would you be able to feed it to yourself, though? Because you know what it is. Yeah, I would assume just because of the nature of how the potion works. I feel like some people do this, like actually do this, and then believe they've drank a potion of Fox's Cunning, which is why some people think they're so fucking smart. (laughs) But they're not. (laughs) That's awesome. I do have the stats as far as like what percentages are born. So 15% of them are born as knights, 15% of the knights are born as lords, and 5% of them are born as dukes, or what is also called as maharajas? Oh, yeah. Maharajas? It's M-A-H-A-R-A-J-A-S. Maharajas. Maharajas. Is what I think it would be. But also you said that, and then I realized that I also recognize that word. I've seen that word before. So dukes have more health, and they have the spellcasting abilities of a 13th level wizard and a 9th level priest. Oh, dear God. That, that's yeah. intense. Also, quick quick sidebar. When you say 5%, do you mean 5% of the Rakshasa born as knights, or 5% in general? It's 5% in general for the dukes. Okay, okay. I'm guessing that the other percentages are female. And then just regular males. And then just regular males that aren't like knights. I don't know what else they do. I guess they have to have shopkeepers and stuff. People who roast the humans on the spits and what have you. (laughs) So cooks. They generally stand about six to seven feet tall. They weigh about 250 to 300 pounds. So they're roughly the same build as humans. Yeah. They're just big. Um, in second edition, though, they don't actually have any uniform appearance. Like, they don't all have a general look. They just appear as humanoid creatures, and they prefer to take the physical characteristics of apes and tigers. Okay, so that's where that comes in. So in second edition, they start taking the form of tigers. And this is also where they start getting the hands that are now reversed. So where their palms are is where the back of their hands are. So their hands are actually curved upwards now. I'm trying to contort my, like, contort my wrists. It's crazy. 
So your palms are now facing upwards, but your arms and everything are still the same. So basically they grasp things out on the top of their hand rather than the bottom. It's like that dog that was born <clears throat> with reverse paws that got that surgery so he could walk. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. The internet knows. The internet knows. That's the important part. So the highest ranking Rakshasas in this will sometimes have numerous heads. Okay. Kind of a callback to Ravana. Right. And they all prefer to wear the finest clothing they can get a hold of. Arrogant assholes. Yep, they really are. I love these guys. You know, I wonder, is that, okay, that would be like a, a an aspect of their appearance that they would have in their quote-unquote true form, right? Right. Okay. Because I'm just imagining they transform into like... Just a ten-headed version of somebody else. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At least I'm guessing, because if they have multiple heads... That would actually make them a worse Rakshasa. <laughs> and you'd be able to be like, yeah, you're a Rakshasa. You're a dude that has five heads. What are you doing? So, uh, let me look here in the notes. Okay, we start at 3.5. Because I will fix this at some point, but I cannot, for the life of me, find any available PDFs for third edition, like, monster manuals. So, unfortunately, I'm having to skip that to go to 3.5. Dang, elusive PDFs. They are incredibly hard to find. I think I'm just going to have to break down and buy them at some point, but I'll get to that eventually. But before that, let's go ahead and do our ad break. No! I can get more tea! Hey everyone, hate to interrupt our lovely talking of the Rakshasa, but I just wanted to pop in real quick and say thank you all for listening. We appreciate all the listens that we've got so far. It's been fantastically amazing. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Dungeonpedia for updates and when new episodes post if you haven't followed us on any of the podcast listeners. We are also on Tumblr at dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. There is mostly just updates for when we post new episodes, but you'll also find transcripts as soon as they go up, and we'll notify you when they do go up as well. Remember, you can email us ideas or criticisms, anything, at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to give us anything long form. We also keep it forever. Remember to rate us and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to us on, where those features are available. We would really appreciate that as well as reviews. Let us know what we're doing, how we're doing, what we could be doing better. And of course, even more important, I would say than that is word of mouth. If you have any friends that you think would be interested, let them know, bother them, harass them. If they don't like it, ask them what they didn't like about it and then send it to us. Lock them in your car and turn on the radio and tell them to deal with it. You know, you know how it is. You know what to do. Big thank you to Alexander Nakarada for our theme song, Blacksmith. It's a good song. It is. We talk about that every time, but I really do like that song. It's a good song. Like, I go and listen to the episodes after we post them, and and as soon as I hear that music kick in, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Gets me pumped. It was a good choice. Yeah. It was a very good choice. Well... Thank you for listening to our little plug right here, and we will get back to the podcast. Rakshasa. 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 Travis. Yes. More. 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 Uh, 3.5 is where I'm told that things get good for uh, D&D. I guess up until 4th edition, but yeah. (laughs) Why is the new joke that we hate 4th edition when we've never played it? I don't know, because I've heard a lot of I'm mostly still it. mad about the fact of what they did to gnomes. That's yeah. it. So. Travis will always be salty about the yeah. gnomes. Hey, 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 Taylor. What? So, last week, we talked about the dragon marks. Yeah. 
and Eberron. Yeah, it's really cool. I like Eberron. Do you remember reading about the Rakshasas in Eberron? Uh, I do not. Uh, there was a lot of stuff for me to look at Eberron just to get to the dragon mark, so I didn't have time to sort through everything. But yeah. I never thought about the fact that Rakshasas would be in Eberron. Uh, they were, and they dominated Eberron. Really? For hundreds of thousands of years back in the ancient times of this campaign setting. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, they have a different sort of creation myth now as well. Okay, so uh, in, I'm into it. In the Ebron campaign setting, they were they were spawned by the blood of Kyber, the dragon below. I remember Kyber as one of the uh, basically one of their creation dragons. Correct. She was one of the three dragons that basically created the universe of Ebron. Right. Sort of like a certain other triumvirate that the origin of Rakshasa. Also yeah, created a lot that, of I, 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 yeah, that, I can see the connection there. Well, Shiva was more about destroying things, but, you know, it's part of the cycle. So they still kind of, like, kept with the weird yeah. creation. That they that they were born from something <clears throat> like that. Right. Triumvirates are just kind of cool in terms of mythology and religion anyways. I mean, that's true. I do kind of like, well, I like that whole aspect of mythology, really. Mythology is great. Mythology is pretty good. There is a race of warriors known as the Zakyas that appeared in 3.5 as well, and in Eberron. They were the ones that accompanied the Rajas and the original, like, sorcerer Rakshasa race. Right. Basically. Both the original, like, Rakshasas and the Rajas wound up being imprisoned by the, and I swear I'm going to butcher this name, Kaudals? 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 Kowatl, maybe? Yeah, probably Kowatl. It's C-O-U-A-T-L-S. Kowatl? Maybe Kowatl? It feels like they're reaching for Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, that's okay. My first thought was Quetzals, like the birds. Actually, they kind of were birds in a sense. Really? So these were actually the children of Sybaris? Was that how you pronounced his C- name? Sibaris. Sibaris. That's how I personally pronounced it, but... Sibaris. Uh, another one of the dragon creators. They were depicted as, like, more serpent than a dragon. They were basically depicted as snake creatures, but they have feathered wings. Yep. Familiar. Yeah. Yep. This yeah. actually does evoke some Quetzal and a- Aztec in my... Or a- as... Was- I believe I think it's Aztec mythology. I think it was Aztec. I'm not totally sure. But yeah, it seems like now they went from India and now they decided to mix in some other mythology and was like, yes, this is a this is our version of the Quetzal. So both of the sorcerers and the Rajas, when they were in prison, they were actually imprisoned at the end of what is known as the Age of Demons. Ooh. Which my assumption there is the fact that basically the Age of Demons was when the Rakshasas and more of the little demon devil creatures were dominating those. Were escape. dominating it. Correct. Sick. I like it. Yeah, fuck the Ice Age. When the are we getting the demon? Demon Age. Well, I, Age of Demons, okay. I guess. But still. Age of Demons. So here's an unsettling picture for you. Unlike the counterparts, the Zakia can actually twist. It's backwards hands. Oh no. Right ways to hold a weapon normally. I I don't like the twisty. Yeah. I don't like so the So their twisty. hands are already backwards. They can tw- 
twist them to make them normal, to hold weapons. So this is where Rakshasa's carrying weapons comes in. Right, and it is actually important to note that even in previous editions, even though like their hands are backwards, this doesn't actually ever affect their dexterity of holding items and weapons. They can still do it, they just prefer not to. Ah. But this is when they really come in and like, okay, we're more weapon-focused with these Zakia. Do you think they get Carpal Tunnel from doing that? Yeah, maybe. Ooh. I mean, Carpal Tunnel or just total dislocation at that point. It's fine. Neither sounds fun. Dislocation of the... <laughs> oh, dear. Ugh. So, unlike the other ones, the Zakias prefer melee combat, and they actually kind of relish in melee combat now, instead of preferring to stay back and fire magic. They all seem like they relish a little bit, though. They relish a little bit, but most of them prefer to kill their prey from a distance, and then go and eat them, whereas these don't care about magic ability at all. They're just gonna charge at you and stab you. Yeah, I think they they all just relish in the fight a little bit, though. They... I, oh, yeah. I, I feel like they get some enjoyment out of it. And, 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 fun fact, they can continuously use the spell Detect Thoughts. Oh. I mean... I don't like that. Obviously, if you were playing, you would get your saving throw to prevent it, but if you failed it, they would be able to read your thoughts the entire time you're talking to them or are around them. So, basically, if you fail your saving throw, you can't lie to them. Right. Um, they have the ability to suppress this or resume it at any point as a free action. So <laughs> just, you know, whenever if they're like, yeah, I don't trust this person, they're just going to start listening to your thoughts. Okay, but also the inverse of being able to suppress it reminds me of that meme that's like, psychic, reads my mind, and then it's just something stupid, and it's like, what the fuck? Just a bunch of screaming. So yeah, Rakshasa reads my mind. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then stops. Stops trying to kill me and just like are, are, leaves are you, you alone. Are you okay, dude? <laughs> or like just walks away. Like eh, I'd rather not. I, I feel like this uh, this meal's a little uh, crazy. <laughs> it might it might upset my stomach to eat this, so I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I really don't want to touch that. It might be rotten at this point. I don't even that's know. A, that's expired. <laughs> <laughs> that is way past the expiration date. Someone needs to take care of this. <laughs> they have the ability to now use chill touch and true strike. Which, yeah. most people are familiar with your strike, it gives you a plus 20 inside bonus on your next attack. As long as it's used before the end of the next round. They now have Vampiric Touch, which adds for them 3d6 damage, and then it gives them the temporary hit points for whatever damage you deal. Why does it feel like Rakshasa just keep getting buffer and buffer? Right? When do they get worse? They don't. Okay. Oh. Spoiler alert, they don't get worse. They kind of get... Even more powerful, actually. Oh, boy. Only in the sense of they actually become a little harder to kill later on. So I'm guessing more on that later. Oh, oh god, yeah. I got that written down, too. Like all the other ones, they can choose to assume any humanoid form, or now they have an original form, they can change back into that. I didn't actually get a description of what their original form looks like, though. So maybe that's one of those things that's like up to DM's interpretation if you have the Rakshasas in the game. Yeah. You can be like, well, they look like this normally, but most of the time they prefer to look like humans. Or they just take whatever guys. Right. Which, naturally, they get bonuses to bluff and disguise checks just because of like their nature. Right. Of how they are. 
Now that we're into 3.5 and away from the Thaco system, <laughs> take a guess as to what their AC is in 3.5. 21. 25? Close. Closer. Oh. 27. Oh, no. Oh, that's not good. That's great, actually. When they're in their original form, they generally prefer to use a bastard sword. If they're fighting in their human form, they go back to claws and bites. They now have the like more simpled version of like what they can and cannot be hurt by. Okay. Basically, now we have damage reduction of 15 with good and piercing weapons that surpass that. Okay. And they now have a spell resistance of 22. Mm. So they're still hard to damage with magic. Okay, so this actually brings in the uh, old, like, basically the actual Hindu mythology of being um, resistant to divine and infernal slash arcane, I guess. But also being able to be hurt by conventional means. Yes. Even if it's... Basically the... They're still very strong. Yeah. Right, they're still very strong, but now you don't have to have a fucking quiver of crossbow bolts blessed by a cleric. Yeah. You can, as long as you have a piercing weapon or just a weapon that is of good alignment, you can actually damage them. Now Now it actually feels like no one can kill them but man. Right. So there's also a thing called dragon. Dragon? Or uh, there dragon. is a thing called dragon. Dragon issues. It's in the name, but sure. Yeah, uh, this is actually another like magazine, official Dungeons and Dragons magazine. Okay, so in a uh, official Dungeons and Dragons magazine, there was an issue on Rakshasa? There was an article in issue number 326. Let's see. It actually goes a little bit deeper with their whole mysterious origins thing. Because up to this point, we still don't know what their actual origins were from, like, first edition, a advanced second edition, third edition. I don't know for sure because, again, couldn't find. The PDFs. But, and here's the great thing, is there is no true answer as to where they came from. I don't like it. I know. Uh, and this is as far as D&D outside of the Eberron setting goes, because clearly the Eberron setting has, like, the a blood of... place. Or right. at least a widely accepted place in terms of the mythology. It just depends on the way you interpret it. See, I will say, as much as I don't like it from the perspective of, like, I want to have all the knowledge and all the information, part of me also likes it as a narrative sort of aspect, because these guys are these dangerous predators that can shapeshift and go invisible. They can still go invisible, right? Um, probably. Probably. If anything, they're just really hard to detect because they can, like, walk around the corner and be someone different. And no one has any idea where they actually really came from. I think that's kind of neat. Additionally, it's also a pretty cool mechanic for DMs. I oh, mean, I love this idea as a yeah. DM. Because yes. you could keep it that way. You could invent your own. Yeah, you can take it and be like, okay, well, that's cool that they're mysterious, but if my players really want to go deeper into this, I have this whole creation background of them. Yeah. Kind it's, of it's good. like in the Eberron setting where they kept some of the dragon marks, that 13th dragon mark a secret. No one will ever, there will never be a defined canonical explanation for that. So exactly. it's up to you. 
Now, there is a... What's the word I'm looking for? Just like a little, like, thumbnail, basically, that they threw in for the Rakshasas as for a DM that decides to create where they came from. And this is simply that if someone digs too deep into their origins, they risk drawing the attention of one or more Rakshasas. At this point, Rakshasas are not communities. They're mostly solitary. But if you start digging too deep into where they came from... You can draw the attention of one or more. They will come out of hiding and basically murder you before you figure it out. Oh my god, that's that's excellent. That is really good, actually. That's a handy uh, keep your nose in your own business button. Exactly. But also, I feel like that would make a lot of not just players, but also maybe individual characters want make them want to know it more. more. Yeah. And see, even if a Rakshasa knows exactly where they came from, they're never willing to tell anybody. Ooh. Like, they will simply do one thing if you actually get to talking to them. They'll just tell you more lies. They will weave this intricate web of lies to confuse the subject even more. They do have some of the, like, earmarks that devils do. Special, like, traits and stuff. Right. So some of them, some of them, some people believe that they were actually like fiendish animals that intermingled with an unknown breed of demons that created the Rakshasa. More people fucking animals. Exactly. Fucking demons. Rakshasas deny this completely because they are too elegant of creatures to have come from such... They're proud. ...ridiculous backgrounds. Aha! I just want to admit that your grandpa fucked a goat. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't want to admit that either. I don't know why that 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 was. I don't know why I went with goat instead of like tiger or something. But me neither. But you know, very very good. I I, that was the first animal that I pulled for some reason. You know, goats do have some very evocative demon imagery. I I get it. Oh yeah, that's where it is. Hmm. Fair enough. Your grandpa fucked Baphomet. It's whatever. Oh, see, why couldn't it have been Wolf? Aww, man. Yeah, that went back there. Anyway, these Rakshasas are. The greediest of, like, all the devils. But they're also more assholes. Because when they go to steal, they don't steal from, like, the rich. They prefer stealing from those who would suffer the most from it. Oh my god. So you have a destitute, poor, desperate person. Or someone that, like, relies on a specific item to do their daily duties or whatever. That's who they target. Because they take so much joy in the misery of the human race, basically, that they're going to steal from the poor before they steal from the rich. They're assholes. Exactly. And on top of that, not only will they steal from them, they will kill their families. Oh, and even spread horrible rumors or lies about this person. Leave the person alive, but their family's dead, and now these rumors and lies are being spread. And most of the time, when they take a form to do this, they take the form of a nobleman. Oh my god. Wow. So it's like, this is coming from a nobleman. This is clearly true. Oh yeah, this guy killed his family and gambled away. Ate the- his daughter. The, sm- the small amount of money they had and ate his daughter. Yeah. Wow. Which that saying it like that kind of it's sad, but it's funny because it's like it, it it does feel like projecting like 
oh, the all these horrible things that this guy did. That I, 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 I did it. <laughs> yeah, I did it's it like all. <laughs> I did it all. This guy <laughs> gambled away his his meager amount of when he's like imagining like the Rakshasa is imagining having gone and spent the money that they stole and ate his own daughter. And it cuts to like him doing that. <laughs> oh God. Freeze frame. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So female Rakshasas make another appearance in 3.5. Oh, oh yeah? Why? You know what their job is? What? Babies. Pretty much. Their job Aww. is to raise their young alone. Oh. And they will punctuate the children's lives with constant tests, harsh disciplines, and ruthless training. Sounds like fun. They sound like a fun bunch. Yeah. And then when a Rakshasa finally matures, they will generally set off out on their own far away from any other Rakshasa territory and start building their own empire. Through lies, deceit, oh, treachery. That's right. I, yeah, I remember. But we're they'll take over thieves' guilds or whoever, whatever underground guild they can find to start building a network of spies and informants, and that's how they live, basically. They really are just a fun bunch. They like to bribe people. If they fail to bribe someone, you know what they'll do? Kill them. Eat them? Not quite. They will resort, again, back to slander, extorts, and blackmail to ruin the life of the person that they tried to bribe and couldn't. You guys, Rakshasa Casino. Rakshasa <laughs> Casino! Oh my god. Rakshasas would have a casino! Oh my god. Yes! And now we get to the lovely, lovely fourth edition. Yay! Boo. I mean... Again, another little bit of legends of what their origins are. Uh, one of them is that Rakshasas were spawned by demons that fled the abyss that came to the natural world. Oh. Again, they also discount these legends because they're too good for that. Of course. Another round of variants for Rakshasas pop up here as well. There is the warrior and the archer, which both of those are level 15, like encounters or okay. challenge table encounters. Mm -hmm. There's the noble, which is a level 19. Mm -hmm. These particular variants are ones that still prefer to use magic and illusion at a range. If they're forced into melee combat, they generally use illusion to try and, like, scare the opponent into fleeing or to, like, hide its true location to make it harder to hit. So, like, mirages and mirror images. Right. Uh, now you have Assassin Rakshasas, Ooh. which they have one of the coolest fucking tactics I think I've ever read for a monster. Really? They have something that allows them, as long as they move at least two squares in one turn, can use a move called Shadow Form to pass through solid barriers to get to its target. Oh my gosh. These motherfuckers are unstoppable. They will not quit. They cannot quit. And then there is something called the Dread Knight. The Dread Knight? Yelp. It's a level 24, and it uses an ability triple attack, which I don't think I have to explain really what that is, nah. as often as possible. And obviously it hits a lot harder and is like more beefy and tanked up, and basically it's like a roided out Rakshasa. I don't like it. I love it. And 4th edition is where they have finally added in the different way to kill one. Okay, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for because I've just been hearing about how beasty they are and how beefy. And you, can do any, you can't do anything about it. And even the... Please tell me how to kill them. Uh, so now is when a Rakshasa reincarnation is introduced. Oh, okay. Basically, when a Rakshasa is slain, it will eventually reincarnate. It can be days, months, or even years 
DM's discretion. Right. After it wanders the material plane as a bodiless spirit. Doesn't sound too bad, except for the wandering as a spirit is actually like a tormented and sufferous thing for a Rakshasa. You know the reason? Um, no. Shame. When they come back, I mean, shame, yes, but this entire time, they hold all of their memories from their last life. Oh. So they know exactly who killed them, when it happened, how it happened, why it happened. So when they get reincarnated, guess what they do? They come after you. Exactly. They exact their revenge. If you're dead or they can't find you, they'll go after your next of kin, your family, your friends, anyone to get to you, basically. Ooh, that's great. Now, the only way it can truly be killed in this edition is with a weapon that is specially blessed to kill a Rakshasa, and it has to pierce its heart. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Oh, that's that just that edition of it the doesn't reinc- get any easier in fifth edition on how to kill him either. Aww. That edition of the reincarnation aspect is so cool, though. It is. It really is. I, I like boom character backstory. You're being hunted by a rakshasa because your dad killed it, and then he died of like polio or something. <laughs> so now, the, so now died the of dysentery. Oh, oh no. <laughs> So now the Rakshas is after you. So in 5th edition, finally we get to the most current edition. Their origin is actually written out and is not based around legends. Woohoo! It's a fairly short written origin, but nonetheless, it's actually a canon thing. This is where they came from. In this edition. In this edition. They originated in the Nine Hells. That's cool. I vaguely know what that is. Yes. Mm-hmm. They come from powerful devils that decided they wanted to free their essence from their bodies, created a dark ritual to do this, and they freed their essences from their bodies to escape the lower planes. Okay. That's basically where Rakshasas come from. They now also have a true form. A demon. More or less. Their true form is vaguely unknown, but still roughly, like, demon-formed that you can picture. demonic. Demonic, they're basically, like, they're demons. DM can tell you exactly how they look, but they all have, like, a demonic form to them of some sort. Okay. That's their quote-unquote true form. Yeah, that's their true form. They also have their humanoid features that they generally prefer a tiger's head. So in 5th edition, they almost always take the form of a humanoid with a tiger's head and, like, the tufts of fur. Okay. And their hands are still backwards. No! Their hands are never going to change. Yeah, they're creepy. Unless they want to twist them around. Exactly. carpal tunnel. So 5e also kept the reincarnation idea. Okay. Yes. But they made a few minor changes, like I said. Uh, since they're originated from the Nine Hells now, when they're killed on the material plane, that's where they go. Okay, so they basically respawn in the Nine Hells. Right. They return to the Nine Hells instead of, like, wandering the material plane. The journey back is agonizing and torturous, so, like, it takes them a while to get back to the Nine Hells because they're having to cross these different planes to get there. Right, and they're the lower outer planes, basically. Yeah, so it's, like, a very torturous thing because they were created by having their essences ripped from their bodies, and now their essence is being basically drugged back to hell. Oof. Yeah. That does not sound like a fun journey. It takes... This actually says months to years instead of days, months, or years, so now there's a little bit of a longer it, The emphasis is, 
is on the length now. Right. Their essence remains in the Nine Hells until their body is reformed. So their body actually reforms. Where, like, exactly the one that was murdered previously? Okay. Their demonic body reforms, basically. And once they're reborn... Same thing. They retain all of their memories, all of their knowledge of their former life, and they immediately set to seek vengeance on the ones that killed it. Interesting, though, if you're a party of five, Mm -hmm. they don't come after the party of five. They come after the one that dealt the killing blow. So any of the uh, party members who may have whittled him down doesn't matter if you didn't kill him. Right. If you're the one that shoved the sword through his chest and killed him, you're the one he's going to come after. Yeah, the other the other four may just be tangentially related people that maybe the Rakshasa would consider going after if the actual person who dubbed the killing blow was dead, for example. Right. Or if they're in hiding, that's when the rest of the party will get targeted to draw out oh. this person. Oh, Friends, families, kids, descendants. Oof. They don't care. If it's a two-year-old kid, they'll kill him just to get to the person that they're getting. Yeah. They're if, trying to get to. If they think it'll help accomplish their goal. Right, because they're demons from yeah. the Nine Hells. They don't give a shit about your kid. Do you know if they're still neutral evil? Um, no, no, lawful Actually, evil. I think or, they're or, still... I'm sorry, lawful evil. That's what I meant. Yeah, I think they're actually still lawful evil. Ugh. Maybe um, let just, me see if it actually says they're so principled. Maybe that's. I, I, I really don't know. I feel I feel that these guys really are more chaotic just because of the the level of self interest. Yeah, the level of self interest to me just does not click with lawful evil. They are lawful evil still. <sighs> All right. All right. Yep. If someone wants to like break it down for me why they're lawful evil, I will accept it. But until then, yeah, because I I appreciate I really do appreciate the sometimes subversion of alignments that you can get from looking at certain certain creatures or or whatever to think that like okay, well this actually does work as this alignment because of this and this or right my you think like you want a character who isn't just like the textbook of a certain alignment. So so you twist it, you spin it a little bit, but these guys do just read so much more chaotic. Chaotic. To me. They read chaotic to me too. Like <laughs> they steal, they impersonate, they kill, they eat people. They spread sly, slies, slice, libel and slander, not <laughs> slybel and lander about slybel and lander, slybel and lander, slybel and lander about people. Uh, they like just... they've screamed chaotic to me. I just don't get it. But you know what? Whatever. Like Taylor said, if someone wants to explain this to us, please, because I just don't know why they're still lawful. I feel like it could be interesting if someone has a good breakdown or interpretation about it, but they just do not read that way to me. Until then, They're officially rebranded as chaotic evil in this household. Yes. Yes. So, there's a new way to kill a Rakshasa in 5e. Oh, yeah? Yeah. In 5e, there is only one way to kill them, and they have to be killed in the Nine Hells. Okay. So... Okay. And this is done by either killing it before it returns from the Nine Hells, or killing it, or, like, basically killing its unfinished body as it's reforming. Okay. So, if you have a Rakshasa hunting you, you have to go to the Nine Hells, figure out where its body is and where it's being reformed, and slay the body, basically. Okay, so... 
possible but complicated. Incredibly complicated. And this is the way to permakill them? This is the way to permakill them. This will end them immediately. Or if you get there and they're already reborn and they're still in the Nine Hells, clearly they'll come find you. But if you kill them while they're in the Nine Hells, even after they've been reborn, they'll be dead permanently because they're killed on their natural plane. Okay. Like, the dominion of their reincarnation only exists on the material plane, apparently. Or maybe on any plane virtually other than the Nine Hells. You know, it, it's <clears throat> not exactly, I feel like, something that there's a firm definition about. But, like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. For, in some way, it makes sense to me. You're right. There's not a definition. That's That was my interpretation of reading it, is that it's probably got something to do with the magical essence of them leaving the Nine Hells that causes them to reincarnate back. I feel like that's something that I heard in, like, a movie that's, like, not, not about Rakshasa specifically, but something that's, like, you have to kill this thing in this particular place for it to actually die. What am I thinking of? I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Well, spoilers for anyone that might be watching the first campaign of Critical Role. They actually had to do this. Oh, They thanks. had to fight a Rakshasa. I mean, I'm, I, I'll watch campaign one one of these days. Mm, maybe. There is one other thing I want to go over real quick. Just a minor change that they did. They're still not affected by a certain level of spells, but they've lowered it. Okay. They've lowered it to where they're not affected by any spells of 6th level or lower. Unless Uh, it wishes to be. So, healing and... They really hammered that. Or if it knows you're trying to cast a weakening spell of some sort, it can give up a falsehood of allowing that to happen just to make you think you've got it where you Ah. want it. Or they can do that to make you think that they're not a Rakshasa if they're in a disguise. Oh, to lull you into a false sense of security. Exactly. Oh, I love these devious guys. And they have advantage on all saving throws against all other spells and magical effects. So they can still be affected by higher level spells now, but they have advantage on the saving throws. Wow. Assholes. These guys are so powerful. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. I I would love to see an exact breakdown of like traditional D and D monsters and how they stack up against each other. Okay, maybe maybe we could do that one day. Maybe I don't know how? But um, do, are there any more? I hate to bring this up again. Are there any more notes in fourth or fifth edition about female Rakshasa? Did they ever do anything? Nope. There's no. nothing else said about. Rakshasas. There is one other thing that they have which I find completely, just utterly ridiculous and broken. What? As if they're not already. Yeah. Like I said, they got worse, but they're meant to be very hard enemies. Yeah. So when they attack with their claws, the target becomes cursed if it is a creature. The magical curse takes effect whenever the target takes a short or long rest. The curse fills the target's thoughts with horrible images and dreams, causing them to not benefit from a short or long rest anymore. Rakshasa OP, please nerf. It can be removed by... Remove curse. Remove curse, but it doesn't go away on its own. Oh, man. So you can't just sleep it off. Oh. Nope. Because a long rest or a short rest will not fucking matter. 
you can't sleep. And then if you can't sleep, you die. Literally. You'll start to become delusions. Exhausted. And exhausted. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So if you plan on fighting one of these bad boys, be prepared. That is your official warning from Dungeonpedia. That is the official warning. You are correct. Keep a potion of remove curse or keep a cleric on hand. I mean, I recommend a cleric just because just in general, clerics are cool. In general, keep a cleric on hand. But But if you don't have a cleric, well, if you don't have a cleric, I would suggest just going to like a shrine and just hiring one to come with you if you're going to fight one. (laughs) That's a pretty good point. Yeah, if you don't have magical remove curse, then store bought is fine. Store bought is fine. All right, I will leave you guys on that note because that's kind of all the information I got for this week. Hopefully it was as entertaining to listen to as it was to research. Yeah, that's very interesting. Just this whole... I enjoyed it. Just a whole whole sprinkling of like different things that I had heard just out of context about Hindu mythology kind of getting... The dots connected it was really it was really cool. In addition to how these guys are also really dope in the context of Dungeons and Dragons, right? And as a complete like outsider to that, like I had at one point known that Rakshasa were from Hindu mythology, but I I didn't know hardly anything else. And it, it's really interesting to see how they came to be into D and D mythology. And wow, do I like every time we cover. Anything like this, I think to myself, wow, I really don't want to fight one of those. But wow, I really don't want to fight one of those. Holy shit. You really don't. Like, they're fucking beastly. And they only got stronger, oddly enough. It's not like one of those times that they, the creators were like, okay, we made this too strong in first edition. Let's dumb it down a little bit as the editions go. It's like, let's ramp it up. It's like they, they never they never received the balancing patch. <laughs> What is balance? They didn't have connection at the time the patch went through. <laughs> they were supposed to get nerfed, but they just didn't. But they just didn't. They refused to update. <laughs> decline. 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 Nerf this, except please, please, for the love of God, nerf this. Nerf this. Please, at some point. That said, I mean, if you only ever encounter one, it's probably a pretty cool fight if you survive. True, and generally you're only going to encounter one because they're solitary in 4th and 5th edition. And you're going to look into their origins. And you're going to have nightmares about them for the rest of your life. Whether that's the result of a curse or not, you probably still The rest of will. your life could be a matter of a week at that point. Yep. <sighs> but anyway, like I said, that's all the information I have for this week. Hopefully it was fun and enjoyable. As Very much always. So. And thank you to our listeners so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on our various social media platforms, mostly Twitter, and we do still have our Tumblr. You should be able to start finding transcripts there. Spread the word through social media or word of mouth. Anything is helpful. Thank you so much. And just remember to tell your friends, tell your acquaintances, just shout it into the void. For uh, that person who inevitably has a breakdown on why Rakshasa our lawful evil. You can send that to us at our email at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. You can also send us ideas for topics we could cover in the future, any other corrections or comments that are longer form that you have, um, send it to our email there. Yeah, um, that's a good idea since Twitter is limited to like 150 characters or something. It's... I still haven't Early, actually. Went I have at that. no clue how many. It used to be 140. I still don't know what it's at. I'm not sure either. But just, anyway, thank you everyone again so much for listening. And remember to tune in next week where we have another interesting topic for you on Dungeonpedia. Outro music.